You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. You can like us on Facebook or go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Also, a reminder to follow us at The Summit, Summit Hoops, two T's in honor of Pat. And make sure you download our brand new app from the App Store, uh, either iOS or Android, a way to Get up to date on all the news that's happening uh, in the world of women's basketball. And somebody who's making a lot of that news himself is the head coach, general manager of the Connecticut Sun. That's Kurt Miller. Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Good afternoon, Howard. Good to be here. Well, let me talk to you about something right at the start, because I was really struck by it the other night, that game against Minnesota. So, you know, last year there were... Uh, a lot of moral victories. Uh, there was uh, the fact that late in the year, you guys played Minnesota extremely well and beat them twice. What does that feel like to you today in terms of the overall experience? Is is it still growth, moral victory, or is there a frustration level that goes along with it? You know, we were proud of them that uh, we battled. Obviously, it was a great game. We had a halftime lead. Uh, withstood a big punch by them in the in the third quarter uh, while they got up by as many as double digits and uh, and and continued that run early in the fourth quarter. But uh, we gathered ourselves and we just kept fighting, scratching, clawing, and that's what's so important in the WNBA. So many games are decided in the final three minutes, and we put ourselves in position to to hang around long enough late in that fourth quarter that. Before you knew it, we were down a one-possession game. A um, couple things went right for us and got a couple missed foul shots very late and all of a sudden found ourselves with the ball with the last possession either to try to send it to overtime or go for the win. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, proud of our effort. Um, but we talked after the game. There's no, there's no moral victories in, in the WNBA. Um, you know, we're beyond that point in professional basketball. And, uh it's three games. We're zero and three, and we own that. We we understand that we're zero and three. Proud of the fact that uh, each game, all three games, we had a chance under three minutes to go, and, and haven't found our way to the finish line. So we talked about you know what do we need to do better in those final couple minutes. But uh, again, you know, a proud that they put themselves in that position. But with this young team, uh, we have to find a way and and who and and how to play through in those late stages to make a big play to pull out a victory like that. And, you know, it's interesting. As close to as exists in the WNBA in terms of a moral victory has to be going in in a close loss at Minnesota and being able to uh, go in and stay with them. But I wonder if you see winning those late close games as, in essence, a lagging indicator, that you're seeing a whole host of other things progressing and that that's probably the last thing that clicks into place for a winning team. Absolutely. You know, those teams like Minnesota that have played years together uh, just know how to win uh, and close out close games. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that is learned. It's learned about yourselves. It's learned as a group on what are those big plays that are going to make the difference. And uh, and we're going to learn that. I think one of our strengths of our team is, is that we don't necessarily play through one person. We have uh, definite some versatility within our lineup. We put a lot of players 
um, between eight and fifteen points, and I think it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to guard us at times throughout games because we can go in a lot of different directions. However, with not having that player that you consistently play through um, late in the game uh, poses a different problem late in the game that uh, it would be. At the Indiana close game, John Quell Jones was fouled out, someone right. that we like to play through. Uh, we didn't have Jasmine Thomas or Alyssa Thomas in that game. And then in the Minnesota game, um, Sylvia Fowles is arguably the best defender in in the post game in all the WNBA. And and uh, in, in we caught a break in a, in a, um, a late switch by them. Uh, and hit a big three, a possession earlier. Right. Um, but at the same time, in that last possession, while we tried to play inside-outside basketball, um, you know, Sylvia tied J.J. Uh, Jonquil Jones up at the rim and, and made her presence felt. So still trying to find, you know, that, 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 that system, that player, um, late in games that we can consistently play through. So I'm so glad you brought that up because what was interesting to me in terms of matchups in that game was... Minnesota can do something a lot of teams cannot, and they could throw a big three in Natasha Howard at Morgan Tuck uh, to help make things difficult and you know give her uh, fewer great looks at the basket than she could normally get in combination with her size and agility. I, I wonder, with Morgan being your leading scorer uh, so far, do you th- see Morgan Tuck as a potential player who you could play through as well? And just in general, have you been surprised by how quickly she has uh, come back and adapted uh, to becoming the type of player to you know really justify that number three overall pick? Well, we're really excited with the way that Morgan and, and John Quell have played coming into this year. I talked about both of them having a breakout year and. There's always unintended consequences. Unfortunately, the the devastating news we got prior to the season that Chanae was going to be out for the year with her Achilles injury, it was only going to open the doors uh, for more minutes, more opportunity to play through mistakes, uh, and really a chance to to really really um, you know arrive onto the WNBA scene for both Morgan and, and JJ. And you're seeing that um, they're both off terrific starts. Um, and in that game, Morgan really struggled, was 1 out of 12 out of the gate, missed a lot of shots she's capable of making, including a breakaway layup. Um, but, you know, to her credit, made a big three down the stretch, made a couple big baskets in the fourth quarter, and, and again, um, she's a great facilitator, so you can play through her uh, and get her a lot of touches, not only with her back to the basket, but facing the basket. But but Minnesota's length, um, Brunson um, and Fowles are as athletic of a post-duel that the league has right now, and they're both great rim protectors. And, and some of Brunson's length, more than even Howard's length, but some of Brunson's length that night bothered Morgan. But I think um, she would take a lot of onus on herself that she's capable of making some of the shots that we got her. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because, like you said, Minnesota's length makes it more difficult for you guys. You having the kind of length you do at the three and the four, of course, make it more difficult for Minnesota, which is why I think those are such good battles. But those are inherent advantages, it would seem, for you uh, against most other teams. And you compare it even to uh, the Indiana game. Well, that Indiana game has to feel a little bit different for you after you see them go out and race a 14-point deficit and uh, beat Los Angeles the way they did last night. 
Yeah, you know, any given night, anyone can beat anyone in this league. That's the great news. There's, you know, tremendous pros from the top team to all the way to the 12th place team. There's yeah. tremendous pros. And, uh, you know, in most nights, we have an advantage at the three position with Alyssa Thomas and can overpower people. And the Minnesota game provides such a great matchup because um, Alyssa doesn't get the credit that Maya does, and understandably so, but uh, she really battles her at the defensive end, and then also she challenges Maya to guard her around the basket and have to be really physical. So those two really wear each other out. It's a really fun matchup to watch within the whole game is an Alyssa Thomas-Maya Moore matchup. Uh, the way they really guard each other and compete against each other is really fun to watch. Their games are drastically different. Um, but uh, in their own right, they do what they do so well. And so it, it, it's fun to watch that matchup each and every time we play. I mean, you two are made for a classic playoff battle. I hope we get a chance to see that soon. And I'm curious whether you have changed your thinking uh, at all. Uh, as you, you know, when we talked about this last time you were on the program, the playoffs as the realistic goal here for you guys this season. Obviously, you know, playing without Shanae makes a difference, but does it strike you as you know, that's the progression, the natural, logical progression for this team this year? You know, certainly that's a goal going in, um, and I think we all were very honest when the schedule came out, understood the difficulty early. Um, we're in the midst already, Howard, of a 17 of 19 days. Now let that sink in. 17 of 19 days we're on the road uh, right now. And the only home game in that stretch is Minnesota. So we, we knew our schedule was brutal out of the gates and how important it was maybe to steal one early. And we knew going into the season, and we didn't make it public until late, that uh, if the schedule fell wrong, that we would also have Jasmine Thomas um, gone on a weekend for her brother's wedding, and mm -hmm. we were committed to allowing her to do that. And so when the schedule came out and uh, realized we were going to be without her for the Indiana game, and then unfortunately in the first game of the year, Alyssa Thomas sustains a concussion, now you're playing that second game without you know two of your starters, and that's not even counting that Chanae's out for the year. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we we knew it was a brutal start, and that's why that first game in Atlanta was so important, and we weren't able to get to the finish line with it. So we understand that we turn around and have Minnesota twice in the first four games, and that um, right out of the gates we 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 are in a stretch of five five or six road games and again on the road 17 of 19 days in the calendar stretch right now and so we have to survive uh the difficulty of the early schedule but we still think that we're realistically a, a team that can battle for one of those lower playoff spots and uh and we hope to do that and so it's an impressive team all together as well, and, and absolutely, just to a point you made prior to this, uh, Alyssa Thomas really doesn't get the credit she deserves, and Jasmine had a breakout year last year, but let, let's actually use that as a reason to move on to the guards, and Jasmine has followed up what she did last year, it seems to me, by showing that the shooting improvement, the fact that she was able to become a far more efficient scorer is no fluke. However, the turnovers have been greater than they were last year and they are prior in her uh, career to date. I'm wondering what you're seeing so far and whether that dovetails with your own impressions of what she's been doing so far this year for you. 
Well, the fun news for Jasmine is she is going into a second year for the first time with the same coach. Right. And so there, there's a, you know, it's an unbelievable statistic and what Jazz has been through in her WNBA career. So uh, she's coming off a tremendous year, um, now has the same coaching staff back in place, and there's a lot of confidence both ways. She's under a long-term contract now, and so... Um, you know, just really looking for her to blossom into one of the elite point guards in this league. She's a warrior, she's a defender, and she's a fantastic athlete, but she's becoming even better and better offensively. Mm -hmm. But because she's better and better offensively, we're playing through her more. And uh, and because of that, you know, she's been forcing a little bit in, in transition. She's been a forcing a little bit as we put the ball in her hands more. So the, the turnovers will come down, but there's a, a little bit of that has contributed to how much she has the ball in her hands for us um, early in the season. But, uh, you know, she's coming off a career game at Minnesota. She's never made five threes in a single game and just shot the ball tremendously. So right now she's just showing a lot of confidence uh, shooting the basketball, including the three-point um, we know we can get her to the basket. She's fast, and I don't want her to fall in love with that three-point shooting, but where she's come from even just in a, a little over a year when we started working with her on how much she's worked on her perimeter shooting ability, it's it's uh, it's really, really impressive and a credit to her. But uh, I think one of the more underrated players in the league because, because of the athleticism, because of the warrior, she'll defend any point guard and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in this league. And so... I'm excited, and I think by the end of the year, um, you know, she'll continue to get more and more credit for what she does do for us, but, you know, how, how, how well she's doing things. And big late shots, too. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. The, the way in which she helped keep you guys in that game against Minnesota was really revelatory, I thought. What I do wonder is the flip side of how important Jasmine is to this team. When you think about what your options are for running the team beyond Jasmine. You know, there's Alex uh, Bentley, who obviously has some experience doing that. Rachel Bannum uh, certainly played uh, a role as a combo guard at Minnesota, uh, although perhaps uh, more of a two in this league. I'm wondering, in your mind at this point, uh, three games in, what are your options beyond Jasmine when it comes to running the offense for this team? Well, our backup point guard is also our starting two guard in Alex Bentley, and when Jazz missed uh, our Indiana game, the second game of the year, it was hard to take Alex off the floor because she is also really good with the ball in her hands. Mm -hmm. and, and last year when she would run the backup point guard position, she um, would run a lot of the same plays, and I don't think had a full grasp of our entire playbook, and, and there was a comfort zone in certain play calls, and already this year, when Alex takes over the point guard duties, there's much more of a of a confidence in in our entire playbook and and maybe the chess pieces and the chess match that goes into the game on who's got the best matchup at the time and and who who got hot and and understanding what plays maybe uh, get them the opportunity to have more scoring opportunities. So, you know, I, I appreciate the way that Alex is facilitating and getting other people involved. Her shot attempts are a little bit down mm -hmm. right now, um, as in past years, and she's not shooting tremendously yet. And I think that's, you know, attributed to she missed the entire training camp with an ankle injury. So she's trying to get her timing back and, and trying to get going. But she's she's our backup point guard um, and starting two guard but uh, and then you also mentioned Rachel Bannum who who is clearly a combo guard can score it 
and against some matchups, you know, you feel confident that she can guard the twos out there and, and really be a scorer for us. But at the same time, Rachel's also best with the ball in her hands and uh, is considered a backup point guard for us and, and is a big-time scorer. She's still not 100%. She's got to get that bounce back. She hasn't quite got her bounce back mm-hmm. uh, from her latest off-season um, surgery, but uh, um, you know she's certainly um, uh, in a lot less pain than she played through last year, and she's getting better and better. But we're being patient, um, not trying to put her in positions to be um, – unsuccessful so trying to manage her minutes trying to manage her opportunities here early as she gets closer and closer to full strength well and it's great to hear that she's on the men to be sure and also it was terrific to see you have her in the game in minnesota so that they weren't coming with torches for you after the game so i was glad to see her get some run <laughs> for that the uh, the uh, the applause is overwhelming and uh in pretty remarkable what she meant to that state and yeah. and obviously minnesota um and what she did in her college experience but uh you know, certainly, um, she's not 100%, but getting closer and closer, and uh, I can't wait till the league finally gets to see her better and, and closer to full strength. You and me both. And just on Alex, before we jump beyond that, you had talked about the need and the belief that she would be buying in. So when you talked about a more comprehensive understanding of the playbook, do you see Alex Bentley as having bought in the way you were hoping that she would when you guys re-signed her this offseason? I do, I do, and you know, in, in the thing is, is I think uh, an Alex in the past would be frustrated that uh, maybe she's not taking the most shots on her team or isn't the leading scorer, and I think that's the maturity of her game that uh, she realizes she can impact the game in other ways. You know, our big challenge is I still think Alex has a chance to be a very special uh, defensive player like she was in the Big Ten mm-hmm. and, and in her college experience, and so... You know, at times she's been asked in this franchise to play a lot of minutes, and at times she's taken some plays off. And so, you know, I'm really excited that she, you know, like she's not doing that anymore and that, you know, she's engaged at the defensive end and, and really trying to be more of a factor at the defensive end like she's capable. But, uh, you know, maybe a, a year or two ago, Alex may not have handled her start uh, and, and disappointment with how she's shooting the ball but she's handling it now and, and continuing to be a really good teammate and bought into the future and what we're doing. And, uh, and you know, she's still a, a very, very important piece because she can go out there and create her own shot and get her own shots. And, um, you know, she missed some shots the other night against Minnesota that she made the right read and the right move and just didn't finish her patented shots. And uh, those are going to start to fall. And uh, we all know she's a little bit streaky, but those are going to start to fall and look forward to it. No question. And if anyone knows what kind of defender she could be in the Big Ten, it's you. So that's yeah, obviously... We, tr- yeah. we had to hide people, Howard, from her because <laughs> she would strip them. So, uh, exactly. you know, I, it, I do have an appreciation of what she can be at that end of the floor. Well, and there's a player you have who is revelatory, quite frankly, at both ends of the floor so far this year, and uh, that's what we talked about briefly in John Paul Jones. But I want to focus on a couple of specific things that I've noticed out of her this year and see how you think they relate uh, in your mind. So you go back to her numbers last year, and she was, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, really underrated as virtually anyone in the league. For, you know, her player efficiency rating was 24.1. It was fourth in the entire WNBA last year. And that, to me, is just a striking number 
especially from a rookie. And her offensive rebounding percentage was 14.3%. That was tops in the league. She was a good defensive rebounder in terms of percentage, but she wasn't among the league leaders. Well, she's grabbing more than 30% of the defensive rebound so far this year. How much of that is a change in her ability at that end? How much of that is just what she's not playing with Shanae, who is obviously grabbing her share of the defensive rebounds as well. I'm just wondering what the numbers are really telling us so far. Well, I think, it, it one, it tells you more than anything that she's come back with a bunch of confidence after a tremendous season in Korea mm -hmm. and where she was the MVP of the league and her team was the best team in the league and, and won a championship. So she comes back uh, with... with full of confidence in, in, into training camp into the early part of the season. The other thing it, it tells you is, is that, you know, I was quick uh, to pull J.J. Um, when she made mistakes last year because we could go back with Cheney. We had other, you know, we had a veteran in Camille Little. And so when J.J. would miss assignments or make mistakes, uh, she didn't get to play through those mm -hmm. uh, for as long. And this year, you know, there there's something always to be said when you're not looking over your shoulder. And, She's, you know, allowed to play through more mistakes, and she just has a lot more confidence and has really grown. Um, she's she's an impactful player. She's a versatile player. Um, you know, she, you know, hasn't even scored a ton on the perimeter yet, which she's very, very capable of, but, you know, is is a really efficient rebounder and, and had that monster rebound game in the first game against Atlanta, and she's very capable of that. But, uh um, you know, when you look at her numbers three games in, they're pretty staggering for only a second-year player. And I, that was my next question for you, because you talk about that balance and that challenge, right? That this is someone who has the range out to three-point range. She uh, took a three per game uh, last year. Does that is that something you're looking to increase from her, or... Is that something where it's a difficult thing to pull her out there and have her away from the basket as much when she's so much a fundamental part of your rebounding attack, especially her offensive rebounding excellence? Well, absolutely. And we, we told her that, you know, she can't be allergic to the paint because she can, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want her to fall in love with her perimeter game, but it also helps us in versatility. And when you look back at the film and, and, you, and you really um, microanalyze what went well and what didn't in the Minnesota game, you know, Sylvia Fowles was a difference maker with her rim protection and, and had five blocks and altered a bunch of other shots. And, you know, part of that is is that maybe we didn't utilize Junkwell enough on the perimeter to to pull Sylvia away from the basket. And, uh, you know, it's that, it's that chess match that you need to get Sylvia away from the basket at times, and not every team can do that. Well, we can do that with Jonquil, and, and maybe something in the future that we look to do a little bit more to try to get her out of the paint. But on the same token, you're not going to play against Sylvia every single night, and so you don't want Jonquil just floating around the arc and hanging around the arc. you got to get her because she's a very talented back-to-the-basket player also, and she can be effective offensive rebounder, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, we got to pick, pick and choose our places, and she's got to understand that, and we give her a lot of freedom within our plays to play both on the inside and out. You talked about playing through her at the top of this, uh, this podcast. It struck me prior to the season that combination of role and skill and what she had done so far, John Paul Jones seemed like a real good candidate for the All-Star team this year. You think that's a realistic expectation, if not the team itself, just to be playing at a level worthy of All-Star consideration? 
I do, and, and of course, you know, the voting also will always trend to the teams that are winning, and uh, you know, we understand how difficult uh, the early part of our season is. And uh, but I hope she gets the credit that she deserves. She's going to put up really big numbers. So is Morgan, and they're both very, very talented young professionals. And why we're so excited about the future. And uh, you know, you don't like to steal the the 76ers line but we talk about it a lot and trust the process and mm -hmm. when we you know I've been down this road before Howard at the collegiate level and that you know some people might chuckle that it's not the collegiate level but I inherited two really really struggling programs in my college experience as a head coach and you know it took us three years before we finally clicked at Bowling Green and we rattled off eight straight regular season titles um, and then I went to Indiana and have to endure a losing season in our first year um, but by the second year, we were setting a school record for amount of wins in a year. And so I understand the rebuilding process, and it, it's probably even harder and longer at times in the WNBA. Um, but I think we're on the right track, and I, I think um, we would have been ahead of the game if we would have had Shanae healthy this year. But we, we don't, and we can't dwell on that, and we've got to do the best we can this year. But our future is bright. And, uh, you know, we trust the process. And when we started here, um, they believed in, in the youth uh, movement and that very, very talented 2016 draft. And, uh, you know, it, 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 with our young professionals under long-term contracts and, a, and that 2016 draft class that makes up a core of our team also, we're really excited about the future. End up with four of the top eight picks out of that draft. Once it was all said and done, you were able to acquire Courtney Williams. So that certainly would play a part into thinking about even 2018 as almost a target, right? In year three of those players, plus you get Shanae back. Does that sh seem to you as a an expectation for when this all comes together in your mind? Absolutely. We, we, we circled 2018 and then the 2019 season, so the third and fourth years, uh, the last year on those rookie contracts of that, that core um, 2016 draft class and, and combine that with the players that we were able to get under long-term contracts, Cheney, Alex Bentley, Jasmine, we, we have um, no doubt that we can get at the end of this season Alyssa Thomas under a long-term contract. So, you know, we're really excited about that core, and we, we had circled from the beginning the 2018, the 2019 um, season that uh, could be very, very special for us as some of these other teams get a little bit older. And uh, I think we have the ability to be very athletic in, in the future, and, uh, and, and again, those 18 and 19 seasons has been circled for a while. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating to see, and nobody's made money betting against you over the long term. The last thing I want before we let you go is just to talk a little bit about Daniel Adams, because I think that's a really interesting story and something where uh, you brought her in after she had been out of the league and had been struggling uh, with you know various issues for the past couple of years. If you could take me through the process by which she was able to make this team and now what she's been for you even uh, over the start is just this change of pace automatic three-point shooter for you when she comes in the game. Well, it was, it was interesting. We, uh, we tried to put the puzzle pieces together to round out our roster, especially in the post group after, after the, the obviously disappointing off-season news with Cheney. And mm -hmm. we brought Daniel Adams um, and brought in a bunch of players that were second-chance players 
to free agency that brought different skill sets to the table to figure out what gelled and what would be the best uh, fit with our current roster. And so Daniel Adams is one of those second-chance players and uh, had great respect for her offensive game and her her knowledge of the game. Just really, really smart, Howard, and really understands how to play and very, very talented offensively. We brought in Jen Hampson, who I, I clearly I don't understand it, but um, can't believe that she didn't get picked up by someone else when we went a different direction because I think she brings a skill set that's very, very valuable in this league as a rim protector and as a very talented defender and, and short supply. And, uh, you know, yeah. and she was, you know, she was a second chance kid. And then we we made it a trade um, and brought in a high motor person and Rashonda Gray, who is, you know, on her third team in three years in the league. And so we we took a look at a, a bunch of different type of post players to round out uh, the end of our post uh, roster. And it was Daniel Adams that had merged after. Um, having a very successful exhibition uh, streak. And our players really enjoy Danielle. Danielle's um, a mentor to some of our younger players. She's really smart and shares her knowledge out there during, you know, she's not a big talker, but when she talks, people listen, and she really understands the game. Um, she's really long, and she's a much better defender in space than you give her credit for. Um, she can really alter shots, and she congests things naturally. Um, now, you know, the, the, the challenge for her is, is teams will scheme to put her in space mm-hmm. and teams will scheme to challenge her defensively. But offensively, she's a tough matchup. And when you make a mistake, um, you're going to pay. And Minnesota, uh, uh, Minnesota made one mistake in a little over a minute that she played and she gave us a big three-pointer. Um, and in, in Indiana, you know, like right out of the gates, um, you know, she made three big threes. So she's already made four threes and, and has played in two games. And so uh, she's an instant offense type of person, a really smart X's and O's player. But she also understands that they're going to put her in position uh, to challenge her defensively. So um, it's the chess match that goes on with out there. But uh, I, I, I enjoy coaching Danielle, and if she can get herself um, in a little bit better shape, she has a chance to stay in this league again for a while. Could you imagine situations, end of game, out of timeouts, where you make a play call for her and she's on the floor in the final seconds of a tie game, a place where you need a big shot? There's no question. There's no question that offensively she's as good as anybody, smart, uh, makes shots, not afraid of big shots, um, you know, certainly that way. And so she could always be on the floor, um, you know, offensively. It's... uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I love our professional lacrosse team you know, that we share an arena with and uh, watch their offensive players run off the court when it's going to the defensive end of the uh, end of the court and then they run on for the offensive end. If I could only have some of that type of subbing that could run Danielle on at the <laughs> offensive end and run her off at the defensive end, but uh, it, it, it's probably not giving her enough credit. She is a better defender than people think she is. Uh, is a really, really smart player, really understand the game, arguably our smartest player. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy having her around. But, uh, again, ultimately uh, her ability to move and get herself in, in her best condition she can uh, will, will, you know, play out her long-term, you know, future with us or anyone in this league.
Very interesting, and, and respect to you for the corporate synergy as well. I, I, I certainly noticed that. <laughs> so, Mohit and Sun Power, to be sure. Uh, Kurt, I, I, I talk basketball with you all day, but uh, you have better things to do. I appreciate your time, and I know our listeners do as well. Thanks, as always, Howard. Good to talk with you. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. And to our listeners, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB, like us on Facebook, or rate and review us on iTunes, or your podcast listen of choice. Make sure you grab the brand new Summit Hoops app. You can get it uh, by searching Women's Hoops, iOS or Android. Uh, look forward to talking to many more people in the coming days. Hope you enjoyed this, and have a wonderful holiday weekend.